Hi guys, welcome back to Tell Me About It, the show where nothing is off limits and we get to commiserate about all our rejections, heartbreaks, mistakes, anxieties, insecurities, and embarrassing moments. I'm your host, Jade Iovine, and I'm so happy you're back to hang with me. So something I've been thinking a lot about recently and talking to a lot of my friends about is this idea of making friends and friendships. And I was actually sitting with my boyfriend's sister-in-law the other day and her phone was like blowing up like crazy. And I was like, who are you talking to? And she's like, sorry, I'm in so many group chats with all these other moms. And I was just thinking like that interim experience between when you're in school and when you, you know, are in mommy groups and having babies, like it's really hard to make female friendships before then. And especially with COVID now, like we're all isolated. So many people are freelancing or working for themselves or all these other things. I just feel like we're more isolated than ever. I have so many friends on social media that like we comment on each other's pictures. We'll DM each other here and there. I'm doing little air quotes around the word friends because I've never seen their legs. We've never met in real life. And then I have so many friends that are just lunch friends. Like that's the next degree up or the next level up from those lunch friends and the people that you only see for lunch or dinner or coffee and it never advances past that. I personally was talking to a friend recently. Okay, you're gonna love this term, but my producer taught me this term called pajama friends and it's like something that I've fully stolen and adopted because I just long for more pajama friends. Like I don't want more lunch friends where like we just talk about like, oh, like how's work and how's this person? Where like they don't know anything about my life. I want those pajama friends where you can sit on the couch, not talk for 20 minutes, both be on your phone, watch TV. They can watch you put on your makeup, brush your teeth, go to the bathroom, like those best friendships. And I just feel like it's hard to make those. I think taking that friendship to the next level is a weird conversation, but I'm so curious, like how do people You know, do you leave lunch and say like, hey, do you wanna come to my house after this? So I don't know if it's your 20s or if it's just the time between school and having kids and like rejoining another all-female community. Cause I just feel lame like going on Bumble BFF. So I'm just wondering, maybe we can talk about it. You can text me or leave me a voicemail cause I'm curious, how do you take those friendships to the next level? So if you have a good lunch friend or internet friend that turned into a pajama friend, text me, let me know, tell me your story, and maybe we'll be pajama friends. (laughs) So today we have Hunter Harris on the show. Hunter is a writer and reporter based in Brooklyn. Her work has appeared in GQ, New York Magazine, Town & Country, and the New York Times. She recently quit her job at Vulture to start freelancing and contributing to Substack, where she has garnered a huge following. So if you don't know what Substack is, don't worry, I didn't either. Substack is an online platform that provides publishing, payment, analytics, and design infrastructure to support subscription newsletters. Hunter is also a genius on Twitter, so I highly suggest following her there. Hunter and I talked about the gnawing anxiety of wondering if we had a full enough or exciting enough 20s, choosing what to share online and what to keep private, We talked about the vicious, debilitating cycle of wanting to be liked. We talked about ending friendships and the awkwardness that is quitting your job. We talked about that and so much more. So let's just get right to it. Here is Hunter Harris. Hi, Hunter. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I listen to the, okay, I'm a huge Laura Wasser stan. I know. I ate up 
your episode with her. Oh, good. Okay, I'm so glad. I'm, I'm so obsessed glad you with her. Yeah, she's such a fucking badass. Like, she's so brilliant. And, like, I was like, I want to get divorced just so I can work with her. Like, just no, so I can, like, literally. be around her. You know? She's she's doing my second divorce and maybe my fourth. I've never yeah. been married, obviously. A hundred percent. No, a hundred percent. Like, she's... She just the way that she speaks, like my producer Catherine and I were saying, like you could hear her like just listen to her read the phone book, and it's like so interesting. I interviewed her about marriage story, and I was like, Oh no way! You are truly like she's so cool, and yeah. it's like so cool to talk to someone who's so like not cynical, but like very realistic totally. about things that everyone else like over romanticizes. And she's like unfairly beautiful and brilliant. So it's yeah, like, no, like the audacity. <laughs> I know you're like, great. Okay, cool. <laughs> but no, she's like, she would be my biggest fear if I were on the opposing side of like her interviews. Forget oh, it. Oh my gosh. So scary. I'd love to see her like in court or like even like in a mediation. I'm oh, sure my it's God. like incredible Me too. to watch. Me too. <laughs> I love the name Hunter so much. Do oh you love gosh. your name? Thank you. I actually am obsessed with my name. That feels embarrassing, but like, see, Jade is a great name. Thank I you. Love, I love names that like aren't, I don't know, not to say like uncommon, but yeah. when I was when I was a child, I wanted my name to be like Kate or Samantha yeah. or something so bad. Yeah. Now but I love it. I feel like Jade and Hunter are kind of like in the same genre. Yeah, you know, like, like our parents were on the same wavelength. Of yeah, like, like they're oh. a little androgynous, but like not entirely like I just like my name so I feel like yeah. a lot of pressure to give my kid a name that they'll love and a name that they can grow into too I think right. that's really important yeah like my sister's name is Jessica and she was like a Jessica in 1989 when everyone was named Jessica <laughs> like a New York Times article I think it was came out two years ago when my sister was turning 30 and it said the Jessicas are turning 30 and they just interviewed like a, all the Jessicas from 1989 basically, or like 1990 because ev everyone had the same name. So I'm really grateful that by the fourth child, which is me, like my parents got the name thing, right. You <laughs> I know? was almost a Jessica. That's so funny. Were you? Yeah. Do you have siblings? No, but my dad's name is Jesse and he really wanted oh. me to be Jessica, but I have an older cousin named Jessica. And so she got the name first. Okay. So, so I'm glad you got Hunter though. Hunter's yeah, great. No, it worked out. <laughs> Do you have a middle name? Yes. My middle name is Yvonne and that's my mom's first name. Oh, that's cute. If your parents did your dad's name, then your mom's name, like that would have been cute. Yes. But also I did not want to be Jessica. So. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly. We dodged that bullet. So I was reading something that you were interviewed for about how you know every line of Aaron Brockovich. Yes. And what's great, I watched that this weekend, just completely without having read that. I watched it for the first time this weekend. And what'd you I, think? I'm ashamed to say it was my first time. It was so good. It's so yeah, good. Yeah, it's so good. I was like, what took me so long? It's such a it's such a perfect Julie Roberts movie. It's such a perfect Steven Soderbergh movie. It yeah. is. I also just love like like the clothes are so good in that movie. Like the little, like, I know the leather skirts, like those like sheer blouses. Her that are, like, outfits are everything. In they're it. like so tacky, but it's like, wait, I love like the campiness of all. And of like, this. how does she look so sexy in everything? Like I was literally the longest legs. Oh in my god! Human and the history. best boobs ever. I'm like, like truly. amazing. So you kind of have to know everything about movies because of your job, right? Can you kind of explain your Substack and what Substack is for everyone that might not know? Sure. So Substack is basically a newsletter platform and is it new? New-ish, but basically it's like kind of the Patreon model where I write this newsletter twice a week and then I have like one 
kind of tier that's like free subscriptions that anyone can read it if you just sign up. And then there's mm-hmm. like a paid subscription where you pay like $5 a month or $50 a year and you can read everything I write instead of just half the stuff I write. Oh, interesting. But my newsletter is just, it's called Hung Up and it's about pop culture and celebrities and movies and um, everything kind of like entertainment Hollywood related. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, I I like writing about movies and pop culture because you know, it's like fun stuff, but I like to kind of take like, I think it, I think the newsletter works when I take something silly, very seriously, Mm -hmm. or like kind of dig into the minutia of like, of Aaron Brockovich of, you know, these things that I think not necessarily are like benchmarks in entertainment, but just like things that are like movies are important to a lot of people. Like a lot of my friends love Aaron Brockovich and it's like, there's no real reason why we should love that movie except that it was on TNT a lot, like, right. in the 2000s. Like, yeah, right. stuff like that, I think, is, like, a really compelling way to think about entertainment and also fandoms and, yeah. and that stuff. How long have you been writing those? So I've been doing the newsletter since November 2020. Okay. So I guess, like, six-ish months now. And yeah, then, like, when was that? <laughs> yeah, no, it feels so long ago, but it also feels like literally last month, which I is, know, how are I we think, in May? The 2020 time warp, 2021 time warp. I know. I feel like the audience of this show are probably like, you literally, like in every episode, I'm like, what is time? When was that? Like, I'm just constantly grappling with like trying to figure out what time, like when everything was. I mean, you're, I couldn't remember what I did on Friday and it's Monday. Me neither. (laughs) Me neither. I thought today was Friday. (laughs) Like, I literally asked my producer, I was like, what day is it today? Like, we were so confused. So I want to get into like how you left your old job and then. this new transition that you've had since November, but let's backtrack a little bit. So you're 26 turning 27 in August. Are you excited to turn 27? Um, yeah, it's funny because I had this idea when I was like 21 or like in my like early twenties that you are like at 28, you turn old. And then once you turn 30, you like become young again. Mm. And now that I'm like approaching 28, I'm like, it's not actually that old. It's like a perfectly normal age to be. Yes. But I don't know. I, I feel like I don't have that much anxiety about, about getting older, but I do have a lot of anxiety around like just accomplishment generally. Yeah. I get that. Like, I feel like I, you know, obviously when I wasn't 27 or nearing 28, I was like, that seems so old. But now that I'm like in it, like, I feel like it's really young, you know, like like 30 still feels really far. I mean, I think it's because I just know so many like 28 and 29 year olds who have like a lot of stuff, have like a lot of their life together, but not everything together. And so it feels like very, you know, realistic and like manageable and not like it's some big benchmark. Right. And like, it really does look like so many different things. I mean, every age does, but I guess because we are this age, like we just notice it more that it truly, like I have some friends that are married and moving in with their husbands. And I have friends that are, couldn't be more single and like are pivoting from, you know, doing a desk job to acting. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like it's like, it can look like a lot of different things, but I appreciate what you said about having, is it, did you say accomplishment anxiety? Like, yes, I don't, yes. I don't have as much anxiety about actually getting older just as much as like, well, should I have, should I be doing this now or should I be doing that now? It yes. kind of feels like I'm starting to get into like, not a time crunch, but just like, mm. what do I want to be doing when I'm 30? And like, what mm-hmm. do I want that that time of my life to look like? Just kind of interesting. 
Yeah. And I think that that's like what I was saying about, you know, it looking so different, like 27, 28, all those ages are looking so different for everyone. But it's interesting because what that does to you when you compare yourself to other people, like you're confused. I'm like, wait, hold on. Should I be comparing myself to the person getting married? Should I be comparing myself to the person? Like, you know, it's very confusing. And it's like, cause that's what I do. That's like where I get my anxiety is like that I'm constantly comparing myself to other people my age because I don't really know what this age is supposed to look like. So I'm yeah. just like, wait, do you know? Do you know? But I want to know, like, what do you think are the biggest differences? What were the beginning of your 20s like? After I graduated college, I was honestly excited. I yeah. went to college in Boston. I studied journalism at Emerson College. And honestly, I felt like college was, what's a nice way of putting this? <laughs> I was just like ready to be done with it. I like didn't really yeah. care about my classes. I didn't mm-hmm. really care about my grades. Like my grades were fine, but I was yeah. like focused on internships and like I did the school paper. I was doing like summer internships plus like school year internships. Yeah. And my whole thing was like, I want to like be done with this already. Like I want to be like working and like doing all these interesting things. I felt much more interested and invested in like this the informal education of like being in a newsroom or being around like other writers than I did around like actual academics. Yeah. Which, you know, I think is fine, whatever. Yeah. But I feel like my early 20s, I was very focused and very driven, um, maybe to my detriment, honestly. Mm -hmm. I I look back and I'm like, I could have like gone a little crazier. Yeah, like lived your 20s up a little more. Yeah, like not that I didn't. I don't have like any, like I still went out and like partied and all this stuff, but I think I could have done more of that. And I was very strict with myself about like, I wanted to like have, I don't know, X number of things done, X number of stories written. And it's like, I didn't have to be so hard on myself with those deadlines because honestly, those kinds of accomplishments and achievements, like... I don't know. I really believe that like career trajectories can be so uneven or so they're not linear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and you'll get where you're supposed to be. However, you don't have to be so strict with yourself. So did you always have that mindset or for me in my early twenties, I, you know, was chilling and kind of, you know, not comparing myself to other people. Then in my mid twenties, it really started. And I started comparing myself professionally to my friends that looked like they were already having their dream jobs or already starting in the industry that they wanted to be in forever when I hadn't. Did you ever feel like that? Um, not necessarily in that way. I would Not say. like professionally. I, yeah. I always yeah. felt like very single-minded. I wanted to be a writer. I wanted to do some kind of like journalism work. Um, and I, wanted to do like, you know, movies and TV, like were a huge interest of mine. Um, I definitely felt very single-minded in that way, but the comparison came between like, well, why am I not doing, like, why don't I have an internship at the New Yorker? Like, why Mm. am I not, why is my first job not like at the New York Times? Like stuff like that's honestly like so impossible and on like such unrealistic goals and standards for myself. But, um, that do you still have like unrealistic Absolutely. I'm in therapy for this exact reason. (laughs) (laughs) I expect everything to be impossible, but I expect it to be perfect. Yes. I'm like a huge perfectionist in in all areas of my life, which is like very frustrating. Me too. I know. And it's like, it's not even something that until I started therapy, um, I guess like the like late last year, it wasn't even something that I realized was like a problem. I just thought that's like how everyone thought or lived their life as if like every single thing they did had to be perfect. I know. I I felt the same way and I had the same realization. Like 
it's such a cage that you put yourself in. Like, cause it's great. It's like on one hand, it's like one of my favorite things about myself, you know, like I wouldn't trade that because it's like why I won't settle for like work that I put out being, you know, but I do believe in, and like what really made me first think about it is like perfectionism being the enemy of good, yeah. you know, or of great or whatever that saying is, because it's like, sometimes it does stunt you. Like you just don't put anything out because you're like, I'm, I want it to be perfect. And you're on the internet all the time. So like being a perfectionist, like with Instagram and like putting yourself out there like that is not easy. No, it's not. But I, I think you said something really important. It's like this kind of balancing act of me being a perfectionist is what makes me so good at so many things that I do, but yeah. it also can be like such an insane hindrance at times. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of unpacking when does this work for me and when does it actually like detract from my life right. in a way. That's really tricky. But yeah, because it can be such an asset, you know? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. But regarding the internet, to your second point, I feel like. I don't know. I don't, I don't ever feel like I have to be perfect on the internet Mm -hmm. just because I think that like the funniest things, the funniest, like the most fun I have is when I just like let it rip. Like, I don't think that, I think perfection on the internet, especially on the internet is so boring and it's so like silly and it's so, there's like no tension. There's nothing happening. There's no fun in that. But there's a whole side of the internet. I know I totally agree with you. And I think that's why people gravitate towards your stuff, you know, and like other people, like, I think we're reaching a point, luckily, where we are heading, but it's weird because now it's like imperfect, perfect. Like, it's like the photo dumps, like, you know, you think like, oh, okay, cool. Like there are photo dumps now. Like I can just throw up whatever photos I want. And then it's like, no, there's an art to it. You have to be like (laughs) perfectly imperfect. You know what I mean? So, but yeah, it's hard because I think that there are certain platforms that lend themselves to being like less perfect. Like I think Twitter is better for that. And, Mm -hmm. but Instagram, like, how do you feel about Instagram? Is that like, what's your favorite platform or medium? My favorite social media is Twitter just because it's fun. And that's like where your biggest audience is, right? Yeah, Yeah, it is. And I feel like I have, yeah, I don't know. I, I just like find it fun. And I, I love like the jokes on Twitter more than I love the jokes anywhere else. Yeah. I, on Instagram, I feel like, I do feel like weirdly out of my depth in a way. I feel like, I do feel more of that pressure to be perfect or to present my life in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Or, I don't know, just like, just, it makes me like very self-conscious in a way that I am like not usually self-conscious in life, which is interesting because this, I like, am taking this month away from Instagram, which I feel like so lame doing, but it's such a time suck. I'm like, I gain. How could you be lame doing that? I feel like we're all like dying. You know what I mean? On Instagram, we're all like on our last leg, like <laughs> just like zombie scrolling. You know, like the Instagram lately has become like such a hard place to be. Yeah, it's it's funny because like I do think that there, like you were saying earlier, I do think there's like this overcorrection culturally where. Mm-hmm. It's, like, not about being, like, perfectly filtered, manicured, Mm -hmm. but it's about, like, presenting this very, like, relatable, Mm -hmm. but also in some ways, like, self-deprecating, but also in some ways ironic. Yeah. Yeah. It it really feels like the internet era of, like, 2010, where, like, everything on Instagram was, like, girl, like, I eat pizza, but, like, I'm hot. Like, I love junk food, but I'm still hot. Yeah. And it's, like, it's, like, some version of that, where it seems like you're still like making a presentation of yourself that is 
you know, false. Yeah. It's so weird when like you feel like people are oversharing to you and it's like, I'm not actually that curious. But, yes, but I'm but, still watching. <laughs> but I still want to know, you know? Yeah. And I just find myself like in that hole of like, voyeuristically watching someone's life and it's like I actually really like don't even know this person I really don't care totally but, like, I did just waste 20 minutes like finding out her boyfriend's ex-girlfriend's what college she went to like yeah it does not matter yeah <laughs> like I'm so hard on myself like I'm like Jade no one will think that's interesting like that is so self-indulgent that you're even like wanting to put that out and then mm-hmm. I find myself thoroughly invested in like this influencer like trying to find her dog's like second cousin. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just like, (laughs) it's so weird. Like for other people, I'm like, yeah, give me whatever content you can. But then for myself, I'm like, it has to be the best or it has to be nothing. You know, I feel like that is perfectionism, but it also might be a sign of like a curious mind. Like someone who I like that. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah. I appreciate that. So how have your insecurities changed from either on the internet or just like on a personal level, what were you insecure about at the beginning of your 20s? Like either like not not just professionally, but just like from a personal level also versus mm. now. Like how have your insecurities changed? I'm going back and forth between the words stronger and clearer sense of self. I definitely have, I don't know, I've never felt like insecure about like my opinions or like, you know, things like that. Like that, like that stuff, I just talk a lot and have a big mouth and, you know, that feels like and you trust kind of yourself, in, like, when you're yes, talking. Yeah. Yes, that feels, like, kind of foundational to, like, who I am. But I was always very insecure about, like, am I working hard enough? And I still think I feel that insecurity mm-hmm. a lot. Like, am I doing everything that I could? Or could I be doing more somehow? Mm-hmm. Um, I was also insecure about, like, I mean, about, you know, like, the shallow 20-year-old yes. woman stuff of, like, am I pretty enough? Like, mm-hmm. should I... I don't know. It's like, is my body right? Of course. And yeah, I mean, I think I also, to my point earlier, I think I felt insecure about like, am I living a a big and full enough um, Mm -hmm. personal life? Like, am I seeing my friends enough? Am I going out enough? Am I like dating enough? All of those things that I think it's like, it's never like even the, the quality of these experiences. Mm -hmm. It's just like, am I doing it enough so that when I'm 30, I won't look back and regret not not doing we this We actually one thing. haven't talked about this on the podcast before and I think it's so important and so interesting to talk about because I feel it too. I've had the same boyfriend since I was, you know, 20 and I think like luckily I was, you know, on one hand I was so lucky to find, my, you know, my person at such an early age and I got to be excluded from a lot of heartbreak and sleeping around and other, you know, other things. But I think whether you've had the same boyfriend or the same job or the same friends, you can kind of feel like, wait, did I miss out? Should I have slept around more? Should I have tried more things? Should I have, you know, diversified my resume? Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of pressure. And I think I feel it also as a result of like what my parents were doing in their twenties. Like my parents' twenties were like so crazy. Like they were like, you know, doing all kinds of like rebellious things and like trying new things. And I think our generation is like so afraid of failing and so afraid of like what each other thinks. And like, obviously there wasn't the internet when our parents were around, but there is this tremendous pressure to have those twenties that are so jam packed with risk and parties and meeting people and like friends and all that stuff. And it's hard when you don't feel like your twenties represent that. Completely, completely. I do. Yeah. I think there was the insecurity for me. Yeah. Was that I wasn't just like, you know, 
quantitatively that I didn't have enough experiences in my life, like in my early 20s, which that I think was a big insecurity that I don't have so much anymore, I think. I think that those are like the big ones, how I looked, if I was like doing enough stuff, if I was working hard enough. So do you feel like your friends had more, had bigger 20s or do you think that they kind of had the same kind of 20s that you're having? I do think that if we like, if I like ask specifically this question, I think we would all kind of say the same thing. Yeah. That we all felt like we kind of didn't do enough or like maybe miss out on something. I do think that it kind of just comes part and parcel with, with being very ambitious with mm-hmm. kind of getting jobs like right out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I feel like in an ideal world, I would have taken a year or two off and like right. traveled and found myself, like watched a bunch of movies. But and, we're you know. too scared all the time. Like we're always like holding on to our lives, like with both hands, just like so afraid to like, let go a little bit, you know, so many exactly. of the things that I'm like, Oh, I wish I did that. It would have required me being so much more carefree and like having so much more faith in the future and stuff than I had, you know? Cause like yes. if I would have told myself at 20, whatever, 23, even to like take a couple years off and travel, I'd have been like, are you crazy? I'm so old. You know, like you <laughs> always feel like you're so old, but do you feel like, do you feel that pressure mostly like to have a full dance card? Like, do you feel like that pressure mostly professionally or like personally, like I don't have enough friends. I don't, I haven't had enough relationships. What do you feel like more? Like, do you wish you had more work experiences or personal? I think that's like kind of the quandary is I look back at my early twenties and I feel like I had a great time and I did all the things that I, you know, thought I should be doing, wanted to do. Um, and then I also like had the right work experience that I think worked out for me, but at the same time, in the moment, you're mm-hmm. like, everyone else is doing this. Everyone yes. else is like in yes. like this incredibly serious relationship mm-hmm. and like had like a huge heartbreak. Everyone yeah. else has had and lost like their dream job, right. all of this stuff. Everyone else is like on the path to like, I don't know, corporate whatever. Yeah. And I just like felt very insecure that I wasn't doing enough of that stuff. Totally. And then looking back, I'm like, what literally what more did I want to do? What, right. what was I, what did I feel like I was missing out on that I would have looked back and chosen to have done? Nothing. Right. So you don't feel like that pressure as much anymore. I mean, that's the thing. I, I feel it differently. Yes. I feel it like at present, mm. but I'm sure if you talk to me in three years, I'll look back and be like, sweetheart, name yes. the thing you wanted to be doing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm sure I won't be able to like remember what I wished I was doing right now that I'm right. not. So tell me kind of about like female friendships are something we talk about a lot on the podcast, Um, just because I feel like especially in your 20s, they change so much because like you change so much in your 20s. So can you kind of tell me how your friendships have evolved? Like, are you the kind of girl, like, do you have most of your friends from high school and that, or like, are you most of your friends from college or most of your friends from like today? Like, are they mostly working friends and have you had any friendship breakups? Um, most of my friends today are, or like most of my like closest friends are either from college or just like from like life post-grad, I mm-hmm. would say. My roommate, who's like one of my best friends, we used to work together at my first job out of college, which is at Refinery29. And then my other really close friends are just, I don't, it sounds so crazy to say, but like people that I just like met at parties, people I yeah. met on Twitter, people I met just like on the internet. And, you know, like other media people, like other entertainment people. Mm-hmm. Have I had a friendship? Actually, yes, I have had a, a friendship breakup. 
And this breakup happened maybe like a year and a half ago, two years ago. Okay. And I still feel like sometimes I'm like in it. You know how like oh, when you when you have yeah. a friend breakup or really any breakup, but I think specifically a friendship breakup, yes. it feels like very raw still where you just like miss your friend in mm. a way that it's like, oh my God, it sucks that like I don't know you like that anymore. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's so like the feeling sometimes is so intense that I have to mute her on Instagram just because right. I feel like bad and really sad that like, she's having all these like experiences that like I'm not a part of and like vice yeah. versa. That's so interesting. Yeah. I feel like that happens a lot, but I feel like obviously, you know, when enough time passes and you're like, oh, you've had like a million birthdays since then you have, all, you have these new friends that I don't know their names, like that you see on Instagram or like, you're yeah. like, oh, what's that coffee place that you go to? You never went there before when we were friends or just those little things that you feel like excluded from. But it's interesting that you say like that, because I think it can happen obviously one of two ways. Like you break up with a friend and either there's a reason or there's no reason. Like it can happen either way. Yeah. And either like you are fully like, oh my God, no, I don't want that person in my life anymore. Like I'm so glad that they're not in my life when you look at them on Instagram. Do you think you miss the person or the friendship? Ooh, that's a good question. I miss both, honestly. Mm -hmm. I think I miss both. And was it, it on was... your terms or her terms? It just kind of like happened. Yeah, like nothing I... in common anymore or... No, I, it wasn't like that we grew apart. It was just mm -hmm. that, like, I think fundamentally, like, I think <laughs> this sounds like so, like, I don't know, Pinteresty, <laughs> but I, I think that we just, like, have different love languages. I think that, like, yeah. we express friendship in different ways. And yeah. that, like, I think I was, like, not a friend in the way that she needed. Like, uh -huh. she would, like, remember everything. Like, if I had, like, a big day at work, if I had a big story go up, if I had, like, something, you know, important in, like, mm -hmm. anything related to my day or whatever, she'd, like, mm -hmm. text me the morning of. And it's, like, I simply, like, don't have that recall. That's I am not, how my... not that friend either. Okay. I am not like... that friend either. But see, I this know. is the thing. It's, like, I, again, just, like, not how my mind works. No, But at the same neither. time... I felt like I could like show up for her and be supportive of her you and can, like, yes. I, like have so much love for her in so many different ways. Yeah. Um, but it's like the big sticking point for her is like something that I just couldn't provide. Totally. And it just was kind of like, a, I guess we're like at an impasse. I, yeah. You feel like I'm being a bad friend. I feel like you're not being a good friend either. Right. Like you're just, she's just not being receptive to like the ways that you can give love or like that you can show up yeah, for her. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, once, once you go from there, it becomes the cattiness, you know, yes. all, all the stuff that just like happens when something so kind of sours. How long was she, were you guys friends? We'd known each other for a long time, but we became like really, really good friends for like about two years, two and a half years. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because some of my friends are so incredible in that way that you described. Like they will like remember my dog's half birthday and I'm like holy fuck like how do you do that like you have a full-time job and like do you use a google calendar like what's going on like how can I be better that way yeah. and then I'll try to like be good that way and it'll last like a week or like two weeks you know like mm -hmm. I'll try but it's just when it's not naturally the way that you give love or like that you show you know friendship Mm -hmm. It's not sustainable, but it's hard because you can feel like a bad friend for not giving love in the same way that your friend wants to receive it. Exactly. And it is like, I mean, you know, I'm sure that like, if, if we like hung out again and talked about it all, it would be fine. But it's also like just the, the questions like, well, who makes the ask? Like who yeah. says that I miss you first? All of that yes. stuff is like, is so complicated and fraught in a lot of ways. So you had that first conversation 
And then aren't those things so awkward? Like I'm, I'm, well, I always go. It's never I, like, <laughs> I'm like, I, I just can't. <laughs> you're like, I, you're fucked up. <laughs> with this, I mean, I'm trying to think of like another big notable friendship breakup, or I'm sure it was like more simple than that, but it's like, this was way more like a really slow, unfortunate, yeah. like very painful thing where it's mm-hmm. like, it was her birthday whatever whatever it was my birthday I didn't even know if she was gonna come to my birthday party I was like this is so weird we went out to dinner like didn't talk at dinner it was like just the two of us like all of like these things of like us acting like we're friends right because like we are but at the same time like holding a lot of like resentment that stuff is like regular early 20s friendship and then when did like when did you stop talking like after a conversation or was it like just kind of like fizzled out I remember we went on to dinner and I like started seeing this new guy and who was like completely wrong for me. And like, she could tell me that immediately, but that's another story. But I was like excited about, I was like, oh my gosh, like he has like a patio. Like he lives a town, you know, all these <laughs> stupid things. He has a patio. It's amazing. <laughs> In New York, it's like prime. No, I know it. <laughs> but she was just like, you don't like him. Like, why are you acting like this? Like, right. she's like, he's like not hot. Like all of these things. And I was like, why are you like being such a bitch? Yeah. And I kind of left that dinner being like, I don't know why we're pretending to be friends. Right. Like, like what if the we're redeeming being, qualities are. Yeah, yeah. Like if we're not like being nice to one another, then what is the point? Yeah. No, exactly. And at that point I kind of felt like this is like done. Yeah. I feel very checked out of this. And I think she felt the same way. Right. So you probably just like now miss the place that she held in your life rather than like directly because you probably wouldn't want to go back to a friendship that was like that. Right. I mean, no, I I wouldn't. But I do think that kind of regret and FOMO that I have is that we were just so close that I think it's repairable. But I just feel at this point in our lives, neither of us is like really willing to like make that effort yeah into, which is like you know fine I don't think that's like a moral shortcoming in either of our parts and like luckily we have a lot more time on this planet and like yeah. if, if it's meant if you guys are meant to like reconcile you will you know yeah yeah okay that's a perfect place for us to take a quick break we'll be right back welcome back but I just wanted to ask you because I know that you recently left Vulture after or like in November right after four yes. years so you were there for four years were you in an office for four years like with Yes, coworkers and everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, like I talk a lot with my friends about like how hard it is to make friends in your 20s. You know, like in New mm-hmm. York, I feel like it's a little easier because young people in New York kind of have this mentality of like we're all surviving together. And like you just have – it's easier to meet people in New York, I feel, at least from like living in L.A. my whole life. Mm-hmm. But – I feel like it's so hard, you know, to maintain friendships after you leave a job like Vulture. Like I work alone and sometimes my Zooms are my only social interaction of the day. So it's so much easier to maintain and make friends at an office place. And it's very lonely making and solitary to work on your own and freelance. So I wonder, do you, did you feel that shift? Well, my office friendships, I think are mostly the same just because a lot of the people I worked with like three of my really like closest friends came from Vulture like came from work um and so that's stayed pretty consistent but I do and this was like honestly a, a big reason why I like felt so conflicted about leaving my job is that like the Vulture slack room like where we're all just like truly shooting the shit sending links back and forth mm-hmm. making all these like inside jokes was like the most fun place to be a lot of like 
days and it was just so nice to feel truly like this sounds like so corny but like to feel like inspired invigorated mm-hmm. um curious about you know what my coworkers were doing and a like, part of something bigger you know yeah, like, yeah. and and really like, some of the best ideas came from just like side conversations that like you didn't expect to go anywhere but like turns into like something that you're really interested in and passionate right. about so that's definitely been an adjustment working alone but I also feel like honestly it might be the one thing the pandemic has made easier because it's like well no one has that experience really right. like, no one is like in an office so we're all kind of like adjusting and siloed off anyway that um it does feel like pretty manageable yeah like you feel like you don't feel as lonely because it's like we're all working from we're all zooming we're all doing this exactly like that's the only face-to-face we're all getting I'm sure if I left my job and like it was like one day I go to this office every day the next day I like you know never return yeah I would feel like much more emotional but COVID kind of like buffered that yeah. Was it really hard for you to decide to leave or like, did you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So it was so hard. Yeah. What were like, what made it hard? Because, okay. I think a lot of things ha- were happening at once in this. First is that I truly like had been reading Vulture since I was 14 or since like they had like Gossip Girl recaps, which I loved. Um, yeah. So it's like, I did feel like very emotional about this place already. Um, I did like have a big, you know, influence in like the way see and think about art and culture. That was one part of it. Another part is that I had basically been there since I graduated from college. So it's like the only job I'd ever had, like in a substantial way. I started there when I think I was 22. Like being at Vulture was like my whole identity. It was like the Mm -hmm. only, yeah, just like it felt so important and like foundational to like who I was and like how I lived my life. And I had a lot of friends there, which I liked. I felt like being a millennial and staying somewhere for four years Mm -hmm. does feel like a long time. Yeah. 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 And it was funny because some of my other friends would like, you know, get new jobs and they'd be like, it's crazy. Like you're going to be there forever. And you're 23 thinking, yeah, I probably will be. Right. Right. And then it's like the Substack offer came and I thought maybe four years is like enough of a time to mm-hmm. be somewhere. Like in that, you know, adolescent mindset of like four years of high school, four years of college. Um, maybe it's like time to graduate beyond this and like see what else I can be doing. And it's so far, it's like worked out. I've like been freelancing on things that I think are like cover stories that are really fun. Yeah. Um, I have like running for TV now. So lots of like other doors opened because that door had to close. Yes. A lot of people, we talk about like leaving jobs a lot on this podcast, but Something that everyone's always curious about is how did you quit? Oh, okay. <laughs> this is a story. How did I quit? I had, because of like just how crazy um, and kind of roundabout ways media works, I mm-hmm. had basically been keeping my boss in the loop that I was like thinking about leaving. Was it awkward or no? No, it wasn't awkward. And then when I did decide that I was leaving, because like it was like I could get a promotion or I could leave. And I was like negotiating the promotion. It wasn't what I wanted. Mm. I didn't want to stay in my current role in in the way that like it was working just with the pandemic. And yeah, and then I just like called him and was like, okay, like I'm I'm leaving. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I don't think he believed me. Oh. I'm being so serious. <laughs> I think he like did not take me seriously. And he was like, well, let's like talk like in a couple days. And oh I was my like, God. no, like, I'm, I'm actually serious. Like, I, I'm i leaving. And then he, like, called me two days later and was like, okay, so you're actually, like, this is this is real. Right. Like, you're, you're actually doing this. And yeah. we have to, like, start the paperwork. And I was like, 
it was real when I told you on yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, you're like, I told, yeah. I, like, I quit on Tuesday. Like, I gave notice on Tuesday. Like, this is just, like, like, I'm done. Weird. Yeah. Which was just, like, I think a quirk of, it could be true that I'm, like, very inefficient when I'm speaking and I'm nervous and, or, like, inarticulate maybe. Yeah. And that I thought I was giving notice and, like, maybe I just really didn't, but I did. Yeah, like, I know this only from, like, a woman's perspective, and it may happen with men as well, but whenever I've heard of, like, my friends even quitting recently, there's always, like, this big conversation, like, oh, but, like, you've put in so much time here, or, like, oh, like, but everyone loves you, and they, like, try to appeal to, like, your emotional side, and it's, like, very weird, you know, like, they, like, don't take your quitting for an answer, and I, do you think that's a female-centered issue, or do you think that that's goes both ways. I don't know. I think being young has something to do with it too. I, yeah. I always feel the need to like explain my reasoning or yes. like show my work or something. And maybe it comes from just like negotiating with my parents. So constantly throughout my childhood, Yeah. but like all of like making a case for myself. And it wasn't until it wasn't until I was doing it where I was like, I don't actually have to say anything. I can just right. say, I, I don't want to work here anymore. No like, is a final answer. Like no, is, exactly. Yeah. No is a, no is a complete sentence. A complete that, sentence. Yes. That is completely true. And that's something that like, I am still bad about, but trying to get better at. So he was like, once you started like actually making moves that you were leaving, he was like, Oh, okay. I understand now. Yeah. He was like, Oh, this is like for real. This is crazy. Meanwhile, <laughs> like you probably had to like amp yourself up like to be able to even have that conversation in the years no there were so many rehearsals there were so many I cannot tell you that time and again I do think like leaving a job when you're young and it's just it's so emotional just because it's like you don't have anything else to compare it to kind of exactly there I I was truly stressed and anxious about this about leaving my job for maybe like three months yeah it's like it's not that. It's not the end of the world, you right. know? And then you do it and you're like, no, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. It's, you wrote me yeah. that. Oh, my yeah. God. That was yeah. so easy. Um, yes. <laughs> it's like you've just been putting yourself through hell for like three months prior. Yeah. You no, ha- the the anxiety over quitting my job was worse much than, worse than the yeah, actual of action course. of quitting my job. Of course. Do you have anxiety normally? I Is do. Like- um, I mean, I... I get like kind of racing thoughts and panicky over like I have just so much anxiety like about being like late places like that's yeah. like what I am dealing with the most with my therapist um, yeah and also like I do kind of go back and forth on like I feel like I'm very indecisive which is I guess kind of ironic because my job is to, like be very like very deliberate and very decisive in my thinking right. but I can go back and forth over like should I put the shelf here or should I put the shelf mm. here? Should I get this framed and like hang it here or hang it there? Like mm-hmm. I, that's like an hour <laughs> minimum, which is crazy. So it's easier for you to be decisive professionally than like yes, in your completely. real life. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. So when did you start therapy? I started, um, I want to say in September of last year of 2020. Okay. Do you mind me asking what like was the catalyst for that like what made you want to I feel like I think it was just like kind of preparing for the transition I've been feeling more anxious lately Mm -hmm. I knew that I was thinking about quitting my job Mm -hmm. um like the pandemic too and one of my like really close friends had like started therapy and it was like really working well for him and I think that kind of made me think just like our conversations about his mental health about stuff in his life yeah um made me just think more about like 
why shouldn't I seek this kind of counsel for myself? And then my parents got divorced when I was pretty young and I had seen a therapist, like a child psychologist then. Yeah. Um, how old were you when they got divorced? I was, I think I was five. Oh wow. You were really young. Yeah. I was 16. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I, yeah. that honestly feels like much more fraught than really? being too young to kind of understand what was going on. Yeah. I feel like I was talking to people about this the other day. Well, I was talking to Laura Wasser about it, actually, we were talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I was thinking about it because so often people are like, oh, like, you know, you want to stay together for the kids or wait till your kids are older and blah, blah, blah. And I think it has, like, so little to do with that and so much to do with how you handle the divorce. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, if you get divorced and you turn away from your kids and from your family and, like, can't deal and aren't there to, like, cushion the blow, then, mm-hmm. like, your kids are going to be traumatized and hurt, you know, but Mm -hmm. like no matter what age, if you turn towards your kids, there's going to be growing pains either way. But if you like are attentive and are there and are present, then like it makes it easier no matter what age they are, you know? Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. The way the divorce happens, how amicable it is makes a huge difference. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So you've been doing therapy now. So for like nine months around, right? Yeah. I feel like therapy is extremely important with your kind of career because so much of it is based on feedback, you know, positive or negative. Mm -hmm. And I want to know, like, for you, how do you deal with social media as your job and then as, like, a recreational activity? Like, is there any difference? Like, do you limit your time on social media or, like, what are your practices to, like, keep a level head about it all? I, um... Hmm. We talked about muting people. You mute people, which is essential. (laughs) I do. I have to imagine it as like, it's always like kind of a brainstorming session. I have to imagine it's just like kind of talking to my friends or like shooting the shit or, you know, just something that doesn't feel like I'm writing a message directly to like tens of thousands of people because like that sounds actually insane and like I shouldn't be allowed to do that. So can you actually like trick your brain into thinking it's just for a friend? Because if so, like tell me how to do that. (laughs) It's not like I'm writing like just to a friend, but I think, yeah, I mean, okay. I think the real thing is that like, I really don't talk a ton about my personal life. Um, I will talk about like movies and TV and, you know, if I have a zit or stuff like that. Right. Um, Like I will make jokes about that, but like, I don't really, I'm never like very vulnerable on Twitter in a way. Yeah. Like very vulnerable on the internet just because like I find that extremely anxiety inducing. Like, yeah, I don't want to tell me do that. more about that? Well, this t- is the thing. I, a lot of like writers I know, a lot of creatives I know will tweet like about to miss a deadline or like mm. I'm writing this thing. I like, can't get around it. Like, right. Like they will post about like the process of something. And like, mm-hmm. I don't do that because mm-hmm. that's like me at my most vulnerable, me at my most insecure, mm-hmm. me at my most like stressed, anxious. And that's not something I need to like share with the world and Mm. not in like a performative way, but it's like, I don't, I don't need this kind of validation at this moment. You're like, I don't even want their help. Like I don't even want, like if exactly, yeah, I don't, I, I'm very much when it comes to stuff like that, it's like, um, if I'm like complaining, if I'm like very nervous about to like fuck up this huge assignment, I don't need someone to like talk me through it with advice. I just need someone to listen. And I think once you open that stuff up to like the internet or to like any kind of public, you do just get like a lot of replies that I find very invasive. So I I feel like being on the internet for me at least is a lot easier if I'm talking about like 
um, Ben Affleck and Jennifer right, Lopez and right. not like, yeah. um, I have been staring at this Google Doc for five hours and simply nothing is coming. Right. Yeah. Like I was reading the other day about someone said that you shouldn't share or like some people are uncomfortable sharing wounds and prefer to share scars, you know? Mm. And like, I think that's at least what I do is like, but that's also like for me in my personal life. Like if I have a problem, my sister is like so much more of a consensus seeker. Like she's like, we'll go out and survey the crowd. Like she'll be like, okay, like how does my brother feel about that? How does my friend feel about that? Me, like if I have a problem and it's like an active something like that's giving me anxiety or like I can't finish a deadline or whatever, I need to just like heal on my own. Like I can't make, if I say this out loud, Completely. it becomes real. You know, it makes it like, Absolutely. it gives it life. And like that freaks me out. That kind of stuff, I I don't even like talk to my friends about it sometimes. Just because I know. It, it it really just I I like does not help me at all. No, it's like it can be yeah, and then like you, you get like a bunch of strangers, you know, perspective on this, and then you're like, okay, what if I change my mind in two minutes, or what if I don't feel that way about that anymore? And it's just like you've already started something you can't stop now. Yes. Do you ever feel yes. like, oh, I need to be sharing more or like feel that pressure? Or do you feel like you have such a niche like audience and they know exactly what to expect from you and like you're comfortable where you're at I think um yeah I feel comfortable where I am I never I never feel the need to like share more or or something like that just just because I think that like I I cannot give this website this app this whatever um too much importance too much credence over Mm. my life Mm -hmm. and um I feel like fortunate that I can say that. Like I'm not like an actual influencer who whose metrics do really depend on like how mm-hmm. many followers they have or something like that. I'm I think of myself like I'm a writer. I write for magazines, I write for now, like I write for the internet, I write for my newsletter, all this stuff. And it's like that's the real work. Like who I am on the internet is it's just like personality. I don't totally. want it to be like I don't want I don't think of it as like okay, I have to get on Twitter and write 10 tweets and hopefully they all have like this level of success or something. It's, it's definitely more that like, I'm working on this interview and just praying that it goes well. And that I like actually like, I put my stock in, in those things and not so much the internet things. Cause that stuff, it's like, they can love you today and hate you tomorrow. I was thinking there's always that quote that I think about everything bad they say about you isn't true and everything good they say about you isn't true. Right. Yes. And that just like kind of helps me keep a perspective in my mind that like this is all perception. It's not actually real or true and the real work is like what I feel good about. Like that what I put a lot of work into. Right. And I would argue that it's like even what's what's so cool about your work is that your audience really feels like they know you and like have like they're invested in who you are, but without you having to like bleed out in a way that's inauthentic to you. Yeah. You know, which is cool. Like they know your personality and they, you know, they get you without having to like get you. Right. And I think that a lot of young women creatives and young women writers, especially feel like a pressure to, to share everything that's like traumatic that's ever happened to them. Mm -hmm. Everything Yes, I'm like, I feel that pressure, so please tell me what you're about to say. Well, no, <laughs> I I just think that, like, we can't let external editors or whatever totally. push us into that. Like, yeah. I don't want to have to feel like I'm selling, like, an incredibly personal moment in my life mm-hmm. just to, like, just to, like, get 
something published or just to, right. like, get something posted. Like, I don't want right. to have to do that. Right. And I think that, like, women are the people who are usually asked to, to yes. do that kind of, like, emotionally laborious work. Yes, 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 yes. And it's, like, the, doing social media the way that you do it, it does put an important space between you and social media. Like if you're just like, if every problem before you call your best friend, before you call your therapist, you're posting it on a story, there is going to be no difference between like your real life and social media, you know? And I think it's cool that you do it this way. That's exactly the way to like lose perspective and then suddenly have a million voices in your head other than just like a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Okay. So this is a great place to take a quick break and we'll be right back. What's your relationship with being liked? Does it hold a lot of importance in your life? or not that much? I think that I am by nature, like kind of a people pleaser, but not in a, not in a way that like, I like have to be liked, but I do like to be accommodating. I, I don't want to like cause trouble or like make trouble. I just want to like try to make things easier for everyone. Like I think peace. that's like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. That's like kind of a role that I find myself falling into a lot for better or for worse, usually mm-hmm. for worse. How does that manifest itself? Like you're the mediator between like a lot of people or I'll be doing that or I'll be like I'm a very picky eater. Okay. This is a good example. I'm a Me very too. picky eater. If I or if like my friends and I are going to dinner, there's like stuff on the menu that I know I don't want to eat. If I like know I don't want to go to this restaurant, I'll just like kind of pretend like, yeah, no, I'm down, sure, completely that kind of thing. Like it manifests in that way. Yeah. But I think Being that, easy. Like, yes. I that's the thing. I don't want to be like high maintenance. I have an easy disease too. Maybe my boyfriend and friends would argue otherwise, but <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, that's the thing. Yeah. Isn't that like, I do feel like I, I, I think of myself as being very low maintenance, but I'm sure every person I have will be like, that's a fucking lie. Isn't that interesting? I know. Cause I get a fiery vibe from you and I'm really fiery. We'll say like if something's bugging us or whatever, yes. but it's weird that it's from my childhood for sure. But like, I have this need to like be the easiest like or maybe it's like the youngest of four like I'm the youngest of four kind of thing but Mm -hmm. it's like that doesn't make sense for you you know obviously but if we're in a car like I'll climb in the back seat because that's like what I'm used to do you know what I mean it's just like a lot of like not being the squeaky wheel yes yeah no that's a perfect way of putting it that's exactly how I feel and and so like in that way I think and but that's not even about being liked I don't know I I kind of like I love a bitch. Like yeah. I really gravitate towards like prickly, <laughs> kind of aloof, not necessarily likable or lovable personalities. And so uh-huh. I don't feel the need to be liked all the time, but I do feel the need to like succeed all the time. Okay. So I think I think maybe that comes from like the same muscle or something. But in your career, those are mixed, you know, like because it's like you have to be liked to be successful, like for what you're doing, right? Yeah. Do you feel like you have a good grasp on, like, the mercurial nature of the internet? Like, you you just know that, like, if they give you a bad review today, like, it'll be fine tomorrow. Or do you, like, get hung up on every bad review? No. I I think I really take it all with a grain of salt. But I do feel like there's a difference between, like, being liked and adored. And, mm. like, maybe I, I like to feel liked, mm-hmm. but I don't have to feel adored. Yeah. You want to know that what you're putting out is resonating with other people, not necessarily right. that, like, they are I don't your biggest to, fan like, in the world. Right. I don't have to, like, please someone. Right. Um, and that, I think, is important. And I... Yeah, it's funny because this actually reminds me of... um 
I was interviewing someone for Vulture and it was like the first big profile I'd ever done. I was very nervous. Mm-hmm. And it was with an actor who I like loved. I thought like she was so great. I loved all of her work, whatever. And I was talking to one of my friends and I was like, I'm so nervous. Like, what if she doesn't like me? Mm. What if she doesn't like me? And then like suddenly my whole like enjoyment, appreciation for all of her work is like just so changed yes. by this, by like me knowing in the back of my mind, oh my God, she hated me. And I'm like, you know, okay, spiraling over this. Okay, I'm just going to pause for a second because everyone can fucking relate with that story. Like, for yeah. sure. Like, I'm like, I have experienced that 10 times. Okay, go on. Right. So I was like, I mean, I was like down bad over this. Like, I was yeah. freaking out. And my You just friend, felt like you didn't vibe. No, no, no. I This was me before the before, interview. Okay, before it I even was happened. Just like, I, was, yes. I was so nervous that like, mm-hmm. if she doesn't like me, then right. my life is A, B, C, D, over. Yeah. everything is ruined. And my friend was just so simply like, Hunter, what if you don't like her? Yes, I was going to say that. Yes, I was going to say that. And I'm telling you, in the moment, it just, like, completely reframed. Totally. How I think about my job, how I think about writing profiles, how I think about all these things, where it's, like, it actually would be a lot harder for me to, like, for me to write about her if I felt like she was, like, in some ways, you know, I don't know, not authentic, not talented, if I felt like she was, like, all of these things that, like, would disappoint me. If I felt disappointed by, like, the experience of her, that would be a much harder piece for me to write. And, yeah, that's something I think about a lot, is, like, just reframing that, like, as much, and especially, like, in profile writing, which I do a lot, where it's, like, you know, you spend maybe a couple hours with someone, but you spend days and days and days thinking about them, writing about them, all these other things. I know the feeling. Yeah, I did that no, with exactly. You. It's like inter- interviewing someone. It yeah. it really is like kind of a mind fuck. And and yeah, I I do. I think that like that helps me a lot in terms of like keeping perspective. Yeah. No, I try to hold on to that too, but it's hard. Like I I remember the first time I heard that same piece of advice. Like be like, okay, you know, do you like them? And I was I was yeah. like, whoa, how revolutionary that is. Like I'm sure some people that are hearing it for the first time right now are like, whoa. But it's hard to maintain that perspective. You know, because Mm -hmm. it's like when you have a muscle where you're like, oh, I know how to tap dance so that everyone likes me. Like, I know how to do this. Like, I know how to, you know, make sure that everyone, I'm so consumed with the fact that like, I want her to like me because she's famous and she's whatever. But like, just even like reminding yourself like a few times, like when you're in it being like, do I like them? Like, but what do I think about them? Like, it, it, it like gives you some of your power back, which is important. It does. And I think that is like. It's one of those things that I think it's, like, it's so helpful in, like, my professional life, but I think it's also just, like, helpful, you know, being young, being on the internet, being at a time in your life where a lot of things feel very uncertain or feel very, like, not set in stone, really. Yeah. So what's something that, like, still knocks your confidence today? Like, what are, what is it most of the time that, like, will, if you're getting, if you're entering a shame spiral, as I do, like once or twice or three times a week, you know, what are the things that contribute to that? What gets you down from a confidence level? Like what's something that'll knock you? I don't know if I just feel like stupid. Like I, I turned in this assignment the other day. (laughs) (laughs) I turned in this assignment late and I'm telling you, I was like, just upset about it for like four days. And it's like, it was stupid of me to turn it in late. I could have, I had so many more opportunities to finish it, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I just felt like, why am I like so inefficient? Um, that really bothered me. And, and, you know, in the moment I'm not thinking like, oh, I do have like 
three other assignments that I was working right. on. Like I wasn't wasting that time. You're giving yourself no grace. Like exactly. Yeah. But that stuff, like, um, that stuff really bothers me. And also like, I have like, I mean, I have bags under my eyes all the time because I stay up late watching movies yeah. and I'm like, I've I'm become... like, I have no excuse. Mine's hereditary. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I become so insecure about having bags under my eyes, um, which is so stupid, but I'm like, I'm getting filler, like even to oh, correct I, hello. it. Hello. I've had that. It's wonderful. Wait, what is it? What is it like? Oh, it's wonderful. Do you recommend? Okay. Yeah, totally. Oh my God. People are literally going to think like on this last episode, I'm like, I push Botox on people and now I'm like pushing <laughs> filler. People are going to be like, you are, have problems, which I do. So it's fine. Um, but yeah, so I've gotten a filler under my eyes like a few times and it's so, it's like nothing. It takes two seconds. It doesn't hurt at all. It's probably like the best place to get filler, but you do just have to be really careful to go to the right doctor because there are like a lot of ocular nerves, obviously like around there. Yeah. So it's like, you just want to be careful that you're not going to like Joe Schmo from down the street, which I'm sure you're not, but like, yeah, yeah, just be careful. But you will love the way you look. You're going to be like, holy shit. I, okay. Thank you. You're going to love it. I, (laughs) you'll be like, oh my God, I look so refreshed. Like it'll be wonderful. No, that's what I want. I want to look like I'm so well rested, only drink water, only drink green juice, all the stuff. That's like, that's truly not, not filler is great that way. It's wonderful. (laughs) It's wonderful. But yeah, I want to touch just quickly on your, you know, I, my insecurities definitely come from bags under my eyes too. So I really, that really resonates with me. Um, I'm like thinking right now, I'm like, when can I make an appointment to get that done? Cause I haven't had it done <laughs> in so long, but yeah, I think like feeling it's funny, like that you were saying, you know, like the lack of grace that you give yourself, you don't consider all the other million things that you have going on. Like when you turned in this late assignment, but I wonder, is it more about like how you view yourself or is it more about like how the person that you turned it in late to will view you or like that they will have a misunderstanding of the type of worker or person that you are? I think both in the, in the sense that like, I just like disappointed myself Um, and, and that is just like functionally not how I think of myself. Yeah, I, exactly. I think of myself as like, I I, like have very high standards for myself. Mm -hmm. I take on too much constantly, cry about it constantly. And so I do like have this idea that like, oh, I can take on everything and get it all done and it'll be perfect every single time. Mm -hmm. And just like the experience of that not aligning with my expectations for it, yeah. I find like very devastating. Me too. It's like crippling. Like it's like all consuming, like takes over my week. Like I can't just bounce back from it. Exactly. And it's, it's Which is why we're in therapy. R- no, <laughs> truly. And it's only through therapy that I realize I'm not so, you know, concerned with, with disappointing or kind of like pissing off person XYZ, it really is like, because I feel and think of it as like some moral shortcoming that I couldn't do this. And that is like, obviously not uh, a fun place to live. No. And then you start thinking in black and whites. You don't think like in the middle at all. You know what I mean? You're just clouded by this, like the fact that you disappointed yourself. Okay. So now we're going to switch into these closing questions. You have done an amazing job. You can exhale. All all the (laughs) really hard questions are done. But what is a way in which you're currently working on yourself? I am really working on talking about my feelings better, Mm -hmm. more. Well, thank you for coming on the show with that. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is a good test. Yeah. I do feel like I am 
fundamentally very inarticulate about how I'm feeling or what I'm feeling. And that's just like, it's really hard for me. It's hard for me to express disappointment or express Mm. frustration in a way that is... Have you always been like that? Yeah. No, I have. And I think it was a lot of... This is like why I talk about in therapy all the time is that I think that like for a lot of my life, I didn't think that those ideas were worth sharing. Mm. And so now that like, in like all of my relationships generally, like with my friends and with my boyfriend and all of these things, it, I have to like really push myself to like say what's bothering me and to say that something is wrong and that I'm, you know, feeling sad or feeling Mm -hmm. whatever. And I think even just like saying it is very helpful and letting someone know that like, it doesn't really have anything to do with you. I'm feeling anxious today. I'm feeling like really down today and and not just kind of like I think I retreat a lot in those yeah. moments. And, and like that, knowing that it's okay to like take up space. Yeah. And just yeah. saying, like just saying that, like I'm feeling very anxious right now. And Period. like that's okay. Yeah. And then and not just like holding it in and like acting like nothing's wrong. Because there can be so much mis conception about that like if you're in a bad mood and then like your boyfriend is like she hates me and if you just like say like I'm anxious I don't need your help like I don't need you to like console me or like I don't need your advice but just like know that that's how I'm feeling I think that that's a really powerful thing as women especially to just be like I'm feeling this way because we have so many moods and I think we're always so worried about being crazy quote unquote oh my goodness yeah you know so we're always like oh no, like I'm happy. I'm fine. Or like, I'm sad, but like, that's it. Like we, we don't give ourselves room for the full range of emotion that we feel throughout the day. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what, I love that. I love your answer <laughs> for that. What's something that people follow you on Instagram would be surprised to know? Okay. Something that no one would expect, mm-hmm. but that is true. And that I kind of don't talk about a lot is that I like love a lot of musicals mm. like I'm not a musical theater kid and I I like kind of love slash hate that like entire stereotype I think it's hilarious but like I in high school like privately would listen to like West Side Story mm-hmm. um Funny Girl just like all of these like big musical theater songs scores everything just for like no reason it was just, like just like my car music yeah me too but like you liked cooler ones than not like I'm like wicked, hairspray. <laughs> like, like you're saying ones that make you sound cool. I say ones that are like, mm, okay. Like, I'm like, it's just, you weren't it's, listening to the Book of Mormon soundtrack on the way here? It is so funny that like I never, like it's something I would never talk about because it feels like so opposite my personality. Yes. Um, but it's yes. it's funny because like a lot of those like. It feels off brand. Spot- it does. And like a lot yeah. of those like Spotify playlists that are like what you would have listened to in like 2010 yeah and it's like yes I did listen to like all the Nicki Minaj songs but I also listened to Funny Girl on a loop like For sure. know every song by heart yeah um, like that's how I feel about Billy Elliot yeah. <laughs> again <laughs> that that stuff I feel like would be so unexpected and th- that's why those playlists are always wrong for me because I'm yes. like I know nothing I listen to now reflects that I was, like, so deep into Barbra Streisand's canon. Oh, my however. God. No, I'm like, let's, like, Don't Rain on My Parade. Is that from, what's it called? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. That's from Funny Girl. Come Such on. If you don't sing that in your house, just, like, well, then who are you? You're a serial killer. That's the best <laughs> song ever. Um, okay, I, I, I think you should embrace your musical theater side. I will help you to do so. We'll, I'm we'll so have listening embarrassed of it. I'm so ashamed of it. <laughs> um, okay, and I have to ask you, because you are a skincare maven, what are you, and I feel like people 
obviously love to know about skincare, but I have a very strict no skincare rule on this because I tried blogging for like five minutes. It's fine. We don't need to talk about it. But I was like a skincare (laughs) blogger and I was like, I like ruined it for myself, but I'm skincare and product obsessed. So I want to know what are you, what's your like desert island item right now? The desert island product. Yeah. Always. It's the Dr. Dennis Grows Alpha Beta Peel Pads. Mm, I love those. Those really just like work wonders for my skin. Mm-hmm. I Like right now I do have like a little zit, but I don't struggle with like active breakouts anymore. It's just like. Yeah. Your skin looks beautiful. It's just like hyperpigmentation and like yeah. toning stuff. Like 27 year old like, stuff. Like, right yes, that yeah. stuff is like the yeah. stuff that's like my issue right now. And so the DDG pads really help with that. And then because it's summer, I have to say that Supergoop Unseen Sunscreen is that girl. Yeah, like, it's the best. Absolutely have her on me at all times. Yeah. Like, it I is love just, Unseen Sunscreen. It's so good too because like obviously finding sunscreens that work on like more pigmented skin on black yep. skin yep. is um, so difficult. I, yeah. I cannot tell you the number of like zinc mineral sunscreens yes. that are supposed to like blend and right. simply don't. And the unseen is chemical sunscreen, but it really does. That's brilliant. I didn't think about that. It really does like not leave any kind of white cast, any yeah. kind of like film. The only other ones I've used are the, the super goop moisturizing sunscreen. God, how many different sunscreen products do they have? They, they have a bunch. Like, and it's they have crazy glow, that they have like unseen, they have play, they have like, it's all these different kinds. What I love is that it's like, actually they have, I would say a dozen products and they're all super distinct. Yeah. Like one is so different from the other. And but like, you, you got to give a breakdown of those eventually. Cause I'm like, what is the fucking difference? Like I just went on vacation <laughs> and I was buying all of them and I was like, I don't know what's going, like, is, does play not go on my face? Like, or does glow go, not go on my body? Like I was very confused. So like, <laughs> we'll have a breakdown of that later. That is like asking me important questions. I <laughs> am completely behind it. Thank you. Okay. Wonderful. And that's it. You are done. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for asking me. I, this has been such a, such a pleasure, such a nice end to my Monday. Oh, good. I know. Like, I'm so jealous. You're on the end of your Monday. I'm still in the middle LA time. I do not envy you. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's the end of the show. Thank you so, so much for listening. Again, if you want to tell me about your lunch friends to pajama friends story, or if you want to tell me something you liked or didn't like about this episode or other episodes we've had in the past, please call me and leave me a voicemail or a text and we can talk all about it. The number is 415-849-0299. As always, it's in the link in my bio on my Instagram and will be in the show notes of this episode. So please call me or text me. Also, please rate, subscribe, and review the podcast. That would just really make my year if you did that and really help out the show. And, you know, you don't think it's important, but it really, really is. So please, please do that. And I will see you guys next time. Have a great week, and I'll see you back here on Tuesday.